0: Good morning, and welcome to Dunbar Heights Baptist Church this morning. I know it's a little weird to say that uh, when we're gathered in this manner. I mean, I'm looking out, and uh, there's only one person sitting out there in the congregation here today. That's Pastor Wes, who joined me this morning to uh, help record this this, uh, sermon, this service that we're sharing together uh, in a scattered way, sharing together by the wonders of the internet, Uh, even though we're distant to one another. But here's the thing, I'm going to pretend that you're here. I mean, uh, I know most of you, I I understand perhaps some of you are watching this on video who don't normally gather with us on a Sunday morning, but most of you, I know who you are, I know where you sit in this building, and so I'm going to imagine that you're uh, right there where you always are. And I got to tell you, in my mind, this place is packed. I mean, this is a great Sunday. We've just had this amazing time of worship together, and the pews are packed, and everybody's looking at me with bright eyes, just ready to hear what it is that God is, has uh, got for us here today. And uh, actually, there's, there's some truth to that, isn't there? You know, I'm, I'm kind of uh, expressing this in, uh, in faith, actually. And it's the same kind of faith that acknowledges or understands the fact that our Lord is with us uh, wherever we go, certainly as we gather together in his house, we understand that the Lord is present with us and that we're not just speaking about God, but we're speaking to God. We're hearing from God in his presence in this place. And I'm going to exercise the same kind of faith here today, knowing uh, that he is present, but that so are you. And, uh, even though you might catch this tomorrow, uh, because we're doing this on a Saturday, and you'll probably catch this on Sunday. And by the way, my wife and I will be right there with you in our home on Sunday morning. That's going to be a little, I got to admit, that'll be a little awkward for me uh, to watch myself on Sunday morning in this way. But, uh, you know, perhaps God will even speak to me a second time uh, through the oddness of all of that. Well, Anyway, if you don't know who I am, my name is Kent Anderson. I'm a member of the church here, and uh, Pastor Wes asked me to bring this message to you here today. In fact, he asked me to do this uh, some time ago, about a month ago, and uh, I've been working on this text long before I knew anything about how this was going to go down today. And uh, so that's been interesting to reflect on how the Word of God speaks into our moments whatever our moment is whatever's going on in our present situation and that situation for me has changed quite a bit as i'm sure it has for you so some of the things i was picking up from this passage four weeks ago are a little different from what i was picking up over the last couple of days and i think that's a really awesome aspect of god's word how it speaks into our particular moment in time I suspect you are like me. Uh, most of you have been isolated over this last while. Like I got to say, this morning, as I drove into the church to record this, it was odd. It was really odd for me. Uh, this morning, uh, when I met Pastor West here at the church, and I want to I just assure you we did not shake hands. Uh, we've kept our six feet distant, <laughs> which was odd. But uh, This is the first time I've actually been in the presence of a friend uh, in two weeks. First time I've been in my car. First time I've been beyond uh, walking distance in two weeks. Uh, First time I've shaved in two (laughs) weeks. (laughs) Kind of odd time, isn't it? Well, we're doing the best we can to uh, protect our city and to be good to one another and to obey our governing authorities, and to uh, serve the weak among us, the uh, immunocompromised, the people who uh, are particularly at risk. And of course, all of us bear risk at this time. I know this really came home for me uh, in this situation. Uh, Some of you may be aware that about six weeks ago, I came down with pneumonia, which I got to say was pretty bad timing. (laughs) (laughs) to get a respiratory disease just in advance of a global pandemic like this. But God has been good and uh, has restored me most of the way to health. Uh, If I start coughing partway through this, you'll understand. But it's been odd for all of us uh, in our own way, in our own situation, as we've all been contending with the challenges. But I trust you've seen, as I have seen, that God has been faithful. I know Uh, that uh, (laughs) uh, my prayer life, just to be honest, my prayer life has kicked up several notches (laughs) over the last two weeks uh, because just everything in the world just seems a whole lot more real right now and uh, a whole lot more uh, important. Sometimes I think that's what God does. Uh, You know, He just kind of gives us a little nudge out of our comfort zone, out of the normal in order to get a bigger and deeper sense of what's real in the world. And uh, <laughs> the, the thing about this time is that he's doing it for everybody all at once. <laughs> and uh, so that's, that's an interesting aspect. Well, anyway, uh, we are going back to our series in the book of Ephesians. And uh, as I said, this was assigned to me some time ago, and I've been delighted to just... Dig into this text and try to hear what it is that God is saying by His Spirit to all of us through this particular passage. It's found in Ephesians chapter 3. And I just really encourage you to dig out a Bible or grab your phone, and if you've got a Bible on your phone, and, and, and pull up this text and, and just read it with me. I'll be reading in the English Standard Version, and, uh, and we can share this text together. And when I'm done reading, I'm going to pray. And seek the Lord's presence, and and, and then we're going to just ask the Lord to to speak to us uh, by his spirit, through his word. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. This is the word of the Lord. And Father, we receive it as such. We receive it as your word to us in this moment. And we ask that you would speak to us by your word the things that we need to hear today. That this that you would give us this day our daily bread, the bread of your word, such that we might be instructed and blessed and challenged and encouraged and uh, Rebuked, if that's what's needed, Lord, do Your thing, by Your Spirit, through Your Word, to speak to us. Guide what I say, my lips, my tongue, but may may the things that I say be the things that, that You are saying to us by Your Spirit. And despite our distance, Lord, despite the fact of our um, the unusual circumstances today, Lord, may may You do something that we. Could not have dared imagine as a result of our time together. In Jesus' name, Amen. The last time I had the privilege of speaking to you um, a few weeks ago, I started the sermon uh, by discussing a movie I had recently seen. And strangely, I find that I'm going to do it again. I don't actually go watch that many movies. By the way, you remember those days back in the olden days when we used to go to movies and and, and restaurants and church (laughs) and things like that? Seems like a long time ago now. But at Christmas, I I actually went to two movies. One I've already told you about. The other one, I'll tell you about now. It was the uh, comedy mystery movie, Knives Out. I don't know if you saw that. It's pretty good. I I, I liked it. It was funny. It was interesting, Uh, suspenseful at times. I, you know, I give it a thumbs up. <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, It's one of those classic mystery tales, a whodunit, where the whole story culminates at the end when the detective shows up and, and lays out the facts and solves the mystery in the parlor. You know, this is a, 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 a trope that uh, is known to mystery stories, made popular by people like Agatha, Agatha Christie and movies like this. And uh, it's kind of fun to to watch that sort of movie because uh, we are wired to appreciate mystery. I mean, there's something psychologically in us that's attracted to uh, a story that uh, all the details aren't immediately evident and you gotta try and figure it out. I mean, the the challenge of figuring out the mystery is what holds us connected and what keeps us interested in the story. Well, this particular mystery in the parlor at the end of the movie really culminated around the reading of a will. Again, that's another thing you often see in these mystery stories. And uh, it all kind of came together through the mystery of, you know, who's going to get what, how much of the inheritance is going to go to the various members of the family uh, who all had a stake in the matter. And uh, that tension is what drove a lot of the story. And I could relate to that, frankly, because I had a similar experience several years ago. This is a really odd thing, but it's something that happened in my life. Uh, My wife, you know Karen, my wife, her grandfather passed away some years ago. And at that time, my mother-in-law, Karen's mom, asked if I would come and meet with her and her four siblings and read the will to them. Well, that was a little weird, I got to tell you. I mean, I was part of the family. But, you know, I didn't have the blood, right? I'm married into the family, so I guess that made me safe and allowed me uh, to come and be able to read this to them. So we all gathered, not in the parlor. It was actually in a bedroom out in the farm, uh, the farm where where Karen's grandpa uh, had lived for his whole life, really. And uh, we sat in one of those little bedrooms, and they all kind of arrayed themselves around me. And I read the will to them. Now, quick to say, there was no murders involved. There was no detective that had to come in on the scene. Everybody came out of it in good shape. People were still loving each other uh, to this day. But I got to say, there was a little bit of tension in that moment as I didn't know what to expect from this document. Neither did any of them. You know, who's going to get the farm? How is the money going to be distributed? Who is going to be responsible for what? How is this all going to play out? What was grandpa's intentions? <laughs> you know? And so I read it to them, and uh, it all turned out all right. <laughs> but uh, this, is, uh, this is mystery, right? And it holds our attention. It's interesting, too. It creates tension. And there's no greater tension than this question of who's in, who's out, who's privileged, who's going to lose out on that privilege, which is the tension that is at the center of the text that we have just read here. The mystery of the inheritance of the gospel, actually. And I'm here to tell you on the basis of this passage in God's word that the abundance of the gospel is no mystery. The abundance of the gospel, the fullness of the gospel, the opportunity of the gospel, the, the uh, freedom that the gospel makes possible is available to all of us. We all stand equal at the foot of the cross. There's no mystery to this. Of course, that wasn't always the case, right? There had been mystery. There was some lack of certainty among uh, God's people around this kind of a message. I mean, we see that in verse 5. This mystery was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This was a mystery to people at a particular point in history. But now that mystery was being made known to the people of God, to the Ephesian church in this particular case. And that's interesting. I think uh, it it gives us a clue to how we have to, or how we work to understand the Bible as we read it. I mean, we don't read every text in the Bible the same way because uh, the Bible was spoken to real people in real time. And there's a progression to the whole thing. Now, you and I stand in a privileged place We've got the whole book. But other people at other times only had a portion of it. And they were responding to God in those moments in terms of what God was doing at that time for those people in those places. And so in many cases, like in the Old Testament, for example, back in the days of the prophets and and, um, uh, the people of Israel... They were understanding God as he spoke to them into their moment. And much of what was going on at that time was looking to the future. The future when Jesus would come. And when Jesus would, would make clear a lot of the things that remained mysterious back in those days. And now, after, after Jesus came, Paul and the apostles and the, the, the establishment of the church, of which we're privileged to be a part. Now. So when we read a letter to the Ephesian church that's discussing the nature of the church as it related to the people of God back in those other times, we see progression. What was myster- what was mysterious is now no longer mysterious. Now it is made known by revelation. God is speaking, He's speaking through his apostle, in this case Paul, so that the people could understand uh, the progression from uh, God working with a particular group of people, ethnically separate, who were providing testimony to the world, light to the Gentiles. Now we're seeing the opening of that message to the Gentile people, the extension, the abundance of the gospel, no longer limited to a particular group of people, but now made available to all of us. And that's pretty exciting. When we read the nature of the mystery that is being revealed in verse 6, it's really actually quite mind-blowing. What is this mystery? What is this thing that was hidden? Verse 6, this mystery is that the Gentiles, that's us, the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So three things. Fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise. There you go, three-point sermon. (laughs) fellow heirs, uh, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise of Christ through the gospel. And this whole inheritance thing is, is, is pretty awesome because the people of God in Israel, the Old Testament believers, they understood that they had an inheritance promised to them through Abraham that, that God was going to do great and incredible things but now this promise has been expanded. This inheritance is given to all of us, actually, and uh, all of us who respond by faith to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So so now we all have an equal share in the gospel. We all inherit. You open the will, you read what it says, and it's an equal share for everybody, not just the people uh, of Israel, but for those of us who are in Christ here today, Jew and Gentile, all of us together inheriting equally of the gospel. That's good news. We're all members of the same body. The second point that that he makes here. Now, this is a a concept, sort of an analogy or a word picture that Paul uses quite a bit. He seems to like this one. I do too. Perhaps you do. Uh, you see it in 1 Corinthians, where uh, chapter 12, where he talks about about how we all have our uh, members of the same body together. Some of us are hands, some of us are feet. And, and you know, the thing you got to understand about that metaphor is we are all distinct and different. We all look different. We have different functions. Some of us are gifted in some ways and not so much in other ways. We all have different functions. We all look a little different. We act a little different. We bring different personalities, but we all share together in the same purpose, the purpose of the body, which is why Paul likes to call the church the body of Christ. What we're seeing here in this expansion of opportunity in the gospel is this description now of the nature of the church of Jesus Christ. And as members of the church in Christ, we... All inherit the same blessing. We're all members of the same body. And thirdly, we all partake of the same promises. And you know, if you've read the Bible at all, you know that the promises are many. Promises of salvation, promises of eternal life, promises of redemption, promises of forgiveness. It can go on and on and on. God is a promise-giving God. He makes promises to his people. And we all, in Christ, by means of the gospel, all of us together receive those same promises. We all partake in it together. And that's an amazing thing. The church, it's rich and varied. People from all nations, all places, different languages, different personalities. Different ways of being, and we all come together receiving the same share, part of the same body, and receiving and benefiting from the same promise. It's really, really incredible. I mean, it might have been hard to hear for those uh, people, uh, the Jewish people, the people who had been the particular people of God of the house of Israel. Those who understood the promise to be specifically for them. I can imagine that this was not an easy thing for them to hear. Which is why I think Paul goes to great pains here to establish his authority in making this statement. You see how he he describes this. He says, you know who I am, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, a a steward of God's grace, a servant to you. But I, Paul, uh, an apostle, the one who uh, was a steward of the grace of God, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. What he's saying here is this thing that was not made known to the sons of men and other generations has now been revealed to people like Paul first, to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit of God, by the Holy Spirit. This isn't Paul making something up. This isn't Paul saying, hey, you know, wouldn't it be cool if that promise you made through Abraham to Israel could now extend to more people? Because that seems like it might be fair. No, I mean, Paul may have wanted that. But Paul is offering this promise, this opportunity on the basis of what God, by the Holy Spirit, revealed to him and through him uh, in his... uh, through the, the right that he bears as an apostle, through that right to all of us together. And this is in the nature of mysteries. You know, like when a, when a mystery writer or a magician, let's say, stands on a stage and performs some, some trick, uh, you wonder how it was done and what's going on. Well, you need for that trick to be revealed in order for it to actually be understood how it happened that this amazing thing unfolds before your eyes well that's the case here there's a mystery and in order to understand it it requires revelation and what we're saying here is that paul had the right to say these things to us given him by god because it wasn't just paul saying this it was god saying this by means of the spirit as an, a word of revelation to the people he loves so we can we can take this seriously even though it's hard for people to hear And I think I can understand that. But the message that we hear is something that we can have confidence in, we can trust in. And it's an incredible message. The abundance of the gospel is no mystery to us any longer. The gospel is abundant. It's absolute. It's accessible to us now. It's affordable. It's free. It's available to us. It's abundant. And this is this in case you're wondering, this is not any, you know, innovation or something new. This was always going to be the fact. I mean you can go and you see evidence in the Bible where where uh, where God promised that, that this was going to happen. This kind of thing was going to come when the time was right. You can just go back a few pages in your Bible to Uh, the book of Galatians and um, chapter 3 verse 7 says know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham not just those who have the blood but those of faith who are the sons of Abraham and the scripture foresees that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preaching the gospel beforehand Abraham saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. This goes back to the very first moment when God made promises to the people through Abraham. He said, Through you, not just your people, not just the people of Israel, but all the peoples of the world would be blessed. And now we see that coming to fulfillment. In a text like this, and I think it's incredible. I mean, the kingdom of God—it's—it's—it's it's, it's a colorful place. <laughs> I mean, we see that right here. I mean, I'm imagining you in my presence, <laughs> and uh, we got people here from Nigeria, and we got people here from Taiwan, and people here from Europe, and Brazil, and the United States, and Ontario. <laughs> People from all over the world. We, we come having spoken different languages, being raised in different cultures, and all together God has weaved this colorful, beautiful tapestry that describes the nature of His kingdom. You know, I love thinking about the kingdom, I love thinking about heaven. I, I don't understand a lot of, of what I read in scripture, there's a lot of mystery. There. By the way, this is another little thing, a little, little sidetrack thing for a moment here, but you know that that uh, in the New Testament, Paul uses this word mystery a lot, and he doesn't always mean the same thing by it. Like there's like 21 different times he he describes different kinds of mystery, that, that all are about the nature of the gospel as it plays out in the shape of the kingdom. So you know the mystery of the virgin birth, for example, the mystery of of uh, resurrection, just on and on, all these different mysteries. And this is one of them, the, the multifaceted, multicolored nature of the kingdom of God. One of my favorite little things is at the very end of the book, the, remember I talked about we have the benefit of reading the whole book? You go to the very end, and you read chapter 21, and uh, at the end of that chapter, the, chapter 21 of the book of Revelation describes the coming of the kingdom of God, the new heaven and the new earth. And you know, you might remember, this is where we get the idea that heaven, you know, is built out of uh, jewels with streets of gold and things like that, which is metaphorical language, of course, to talk about beauty and purity and blessing and all those amazing things. And in verse 22 of Revelation 21, he said, I saw No temple, this is the Apostle John, I saw no temple in this city, for its temple is the Lord of God, the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb, which is unreal. No need for electricity, that's cool. (laughs) By its light will the nations walk, And the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. The kings of the earth bringing their glory into the kingdom of heaven. That suggests to me that there will be culture in heaven. Like, like, I don't fully get this, but I'm going to come into heaven as a Canadian. (laughs) You know? Uh, with with my skin color, uh, you know, now it's going to be perfected. I, I'm going to be, uh, but but I'm coming in with my personality in a protect a perfected sense. I'm still going to be me in heaven. Not sure all of what that means, but but what I bring from my culture, uh, from my heritage, from my background is going to be part of the makeup of the kingdom of heaven. And we're getting a foretaste of that right now in this place, in this church, even though we're scattered. It's a beautiful thing. It's part of the abundance of the gospel. And that's no mystery to us. The problem is, in this world, we're so, (laughs) we're just going to get honest here for a moment. We're just so caught up in a sense of scarcity. You know what I mean? Like, there's not enough to go around. So we got to take what we need before somebody else gets it ahead of us, right? Like, we got to take care of me, got to take care of mine, ours. We got to get what we need because there's only so much toilet paper on the shelf. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Right? We've seen this. You put a little pressure on, you add a little tension to the world, a little bit of uncertainty, a little bit of mystery, and we all start grabbing for our own. In the, in the, the hood, they call that securing the bag. I don't know that. I heard it on a podcast this week. <laughs> but we're all doing it, right? Like, like we, we're securing the bag, we're taking care of our own thing first because we believe that there's only so much to go around. And if I don't get what I need, I might lose out. I might be in trouble. And I'm telling you, that's just not the way of the gospel. It's just not a life built out of faith. Faith in a God who tells us that he's got this. Faith in a God who reminds us over and over again that he loves us and that he's building a kingdom And it's going to be glorious. And we're going to have all we need. And until that time, he will hold us fast. He will take care of us. He will see it through. And we're talking about an abundant God. I mean, I get it. I get it. You know, I get it from the perspective of uh, the Jewish folks who are having trouble hearing what Paul said to the Ephesians. Ephesus was a Gentile place. Right? You understand, by the way, the word Gentile—what it actually means—it means all of us who aren't Jewish, <laughs> like all of us who don't have the blood, and that's everybody, right? I mean, everybody here likely. I, I don't—I might be wrong, but I'm not sure that—that. That, um... Anyway, Gentiles is the everybody who who aren't of the blood of the Jewish people. And and for the Jewish people, to hear that God was extending His grace that far, I mean that had to be hard. I mean you can think of it, of it like this: let's say, uh, let's say your dad, when you were a child, your dad comes along and gives you a chocolate bar, and you're liking it. You're thinking that's awesome. Why? Because you like chocolate. But more than that, because your dad gave you this bar of chocolate, and that feels great. My dad loves me so much that he would give me this bar of chocolate. Awesome. But then he calls in your siblings, your brothers and sisters. I mean, imagine you have brothers and sisters. I don't know if you do or not. But he calls all of them in, and he says, hey, I got something for you. And you stand by and you have a hard time as you're watching your dad give every one of your brothers and sisters that same bar of chocolate that he first gave you. And you want to be joyful for them, but you're feeling a little bit of diminishment about the joy that you are experiencing for the bar of chocolate that he gave you. But it goes further than that. He calls in all the neighbor kids and says, hey, all you kids, come on in. Come on in. I got a bar of chocolate for you. And you're like, huh? And then he goes further. He gets on the internet. He gets on the phone. He starts texting people. He's calling far and wide. He calls everybody, children all over the neighborhood, all of the city, over the city, all over the world. Come here now. I got a bar of chocolate for you. And you're like, huh? I mean, I get it, right? Because we feel like we feel like somehow our gift is diminished by the fact that other people are getting the same gift. Why do we feel diminished like that? Because we're living out of a scarcity mentality. We, we, we believe there's only so much chocolate in the world. <laughs> there's only so much to go around. Here's the thing about that inheritance. Like, like, this is the thing. It's it's not like. Let's say, let's say the inheritance is, I don't know, a million dollars. And I, I, I'm, I'm going to die, and I'm going to give a million dollars, like my kids would wish. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Not that I'd die, but that I would have that kind of an estate. <laughs> but, uh, but so anyway, I say, OK, you, you are awesome. You get 200,000 dollars. And you I love you, you get 300,000 dollars. And you, I'm still kind of ticked off at you because of that thing you did in 1992. And so you're getting $50,000. And somehow it's going to all add up. I, I mean, that's how we think of it, right? That's how we understand it. But that's not the case here. That's not the thing. This is an abundant gospel. It's like you get the whole million. And you, you also get the whole million and you get the whole million, and you, and you, we all get the whole thing. It's like, it's like, you know, remember the story in the Old Testament of Elijah's jar of oil? It it just never runs out. There's always enough flour, always enough oil to bake, you know, a pizza. Uh, (laughs) That was the thing that happened this week in our household. My daughters and my wife were all texting, trying to figure out how they were going to secure enough flour to make bread and pizza and stuff, because that's what the women in my family do. (laughs) And the flour's running out in the shelves, it seems. There's scarcity. In this case, no, It just the jar never runs out. There's always enough for everybody. And that's the amazing thing about the church. That's the amazing thing about grace. There's enough for everybody. It's amazing that way. It's abundant that way. The abundance of the gospel is no mystery. Actually, there's a little, I guess you could call it a little bit of a mystery here because you have to know Greek to pick up on it. <laughs> and uh, you, know, you understand that Greek was the language that, that uh, this text was originally written in as Paul wrote it to the people in Ephesus who spoke the common language of the time, which was Greek. Right at the very beginning, where it says, in my uh, English version, it says, for this reason, For this reason, uh, the actual Greek words there is tutu karen. Kind of like the name of my wife. But but what, what it's suggesting is by this grace, or on account of this grace, I'm telling you all this stuff. So that grace, that's referring to all the stuff he already said to them at the beginning of the letter, all the stuff that Pastor Wes has been preaching to us over the last uh, few weeks from chapter one and chapter two, all summarized by this concept of God's grace, his generosity to us. Lord, your your abundance to us. God, the, the incredible reach, the incredible Opportunity that you've made available to all of us, the inheritance you've given us, uh, the body you've allowed us to be a part of, the, the promises that we all get to partake in. Lord, thank you. Thank you, for, Lord, for your generosity, for your openness, for being willing to extend it far enough to reach me. And beyond me to all my friends here and everyone else in the world that you are calling to yourself. Lord, thank you. And give us that spirit, Lord. Help us to be a generous people. Help us to be a welcoming people, not caught up with a sense of scarcity and stinginess, feeling like, well, oh, if I let you have it, there won't be enough for me. Lord. Help us to see things from the perspective of your hand, that that jar is never going to run out of oil. It's always going to be enough, always enough grace. Lord, we need your help with that because it doesn't come natural to us. We're seeing that in some disturbing ways these days, aren't we? i gotta, I got to say something. I've been, there's been a lot of things going on the last couple of weeks that have bothered me. I'm sure you're the same. There's some things that have been exciting and beautiful, but there's some, been some things that have been deeply disturbing. And I'll be honest to you, I've got, I've got a little angry a few times when I have, more than a little actually, when I've seen some of our political leaders who are taking the crisis uh, that we're experiencing right now, and trying to frame it as coming from or belonging to one particular group of people, one particular ethnicity. You know what I'm talking about. It's deplorable. It's, it's, it's horrible. It, 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 I, pitting people against one another. And the thing that is really disturbing to me And when that is when that whole thing is framed as coming from the church and coming from Christian leaders, Pastor Wes and I were lamenting that a few days ago. We of all people, people who claim to know Jesus, the Church of Jesus Christ, we are people with our arms wide open. People who offer the same abundance that God first offered us. People who are willing to give the same kind of grace that we needed and to offer that inheritance to others. People who are open to share in the body, willing to to partake in the same promises, knowing that there's always enough in the gospel. There's no mystery in that. I just want to say to you that if there's any part of what I just said to you that is bothering you, like if you're, if you're feeling that sense of stinginess, if you're trying to create, even in your own spirit, barriers, then that might indicate a problem. And you might not have fully appreciated what God has done for you in Christ and what it means to share the gospel. The Bible describes that final scene in the movie, you know, the parlor scene. And uh, it does describe things in terms of, you know, sheep and goats and who's in and who's out. Because unfortunately, truth is that there will be some among us who will not be in, who will not receive the inheritance. But the thing is, that will be at their choice. That will be because they've said, no thanks, not for me. The offer of the gospel is wide open. You can choose to receive it or reject it. And in the end, that mystery will be revealed. And i got to say, there'll be some surprises. The Bible tells us there'll be some surprises. Some of the folks that we, we thought, some of the people who had been naming Christ, some of the people who've been calling themselves Christians, we're going to be surprised to see that the uh, Lord Jesus might have nothing to do with them. I'm not going to say who. That's not for me. I don't <laughs> And others might be surprised as well to see how God has reached others by his grace. The mystery will be revealed, and I want to just say to all of you today, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter whether we've met before or don't know each other, no matter whether you're uh, here with us Sunday by Sunday and I know exactly where you sit, or or maybe you've just happened to cross this video online somehow. that the gospel is available to you. You can join in the inheritance that God has promised his people. You can be a member of this body. You can partake in this promise. All you have to do is reach out by faith and receive the grace that God has made available to you in Jesus Christ. And know that it is, it is abundant. And I trust, perhaps, that you will. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Just first and foremost, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for your richness, for your promises, for this inheritance, for your body, Lord, thank you for opening the opportunity to all of us. Thank you for the possibility that that we can all trust you and receive these riches and have confidence even in these days of trial and scarcity. Lord, we live in a world full of fear and uh, truth is it these days of coronavirus, it really does feel a little bit like the end of days. And the truth is, Lord, we don't know. We we don't know how long before you come to culminate all of this. But, Lord, we have read to the end of the book. We have seen the movie, and we know how it ends. But we know that you will come again, and you will gather to yourself all of those who have responded to you in faith, that you will extend your grace, that we will be forgiven, and that we will experience an eternity with you forever in your beautiful kingdom. Lord, we're grateful for that opportunity, And, and we would just ask right now, Lord, that you would reach those among us who are not yet sure of their place in that kingdom, and that by your Spirit you would touch their hearts and just, just right now that you would, you would speak to them and you would call them and that they would hear that call and they would respond in faith to your grace. You could do that right now. Lord, I've heard your voice. I receive your grace. I know I'm not capable on my own. I know I can't find my own way. I know I'm not strong enough or wealthy enough. I can't overcome the things of this world in my own strength. I can't deal with the crisis. I need a Savior. I need someone to forgive me and to love me forever. And I receive that love from you right now. Lord, we thank you for making that possible, for opening that door to all of us here today. And Lord, may we all receive one another, even though we have to do it at a distance of six feet, even though we have to do it uh, you know, through the means of the internet, or even if we have to rely on Zoom calls and YouTube and all of the techni- technologies that we're privileged to have today. Lord, we thank you for those things. But, but Lord, help us to transcend those things so that we're able to experience something of the shape of the kingdom. In this place even now thank you lord and 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 we we ask for your mercy upon our world we ask for your healing we ask that you will bring an end to this crisis in your time and help us to be patient until that time we look to you as our only source of hope and strength and courage We find our future in you, Lord, together. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: All right, thanks so much, Candice. It's been a great encouragement for me to be here this morning hearing that, and I pray that that was a great encouragement to you uh, as you are scattered together. Now, as we finish out this time, we'll have a closing song for you to uh, click on and, and finish and sing together. Just lift up your voices and. Worship to God wherever it is you're gathering this morning. I want to give us a closing benediction before we go, but let me give you three quick reminders uh, before we do that. First of all, to remember uh, prayer, to remember prayer. This is one of our connections and lifelines, really, to God. And we've made opportunities available. If you're not part of the prayer chain, please make use of that. Uh, just send an email to prayer at dhbc.ca. And our deacon of prayer, Sharon Bowles, shall get you connected in. And as emails go out with requests, you can pray for others, but also submit your own requests. And we've got an opportunity to do that. We've provided a link there in this email as well uh, for you to send in a request as well. So those things are available to you. Please continue to make use of prayer and be praying for these things as they come out. Uh, Second thing to remember, we've made... An opportunity for giving, for your continued faithfulness in giving. There's a button on our website that says giving. You click on that and you can give through PayPal. That is not simply because we're trying to keep the lights on here and keep ministries going. We're asking you to do that because we believe that our giving is a part of our worship. It's a part of how we continue to build and grow our faith. And so wanting to remind ourselves as we do that where our security is truly found in this time when so much security is shaken reminding ourselves where our hope and security is truly found that is in God that is in his word that is not in our finances or what our bank account number says it's in him so please make use of of that last thing I want to do is just really an encouragement to you this week whether you are in a family right now whether you are it's a couple whether it's you on your own whatever it is this is a time that is incredibly isolating to all of us uh It can feel so as we socially distance ourselves, we can feel just really cut off from relationship. And so I want to encourage you this week as you think of someone each day, would you think of someone each day that you can connect with? Maybe it's someone in your home group. Maybe it's a neighbor down the street. Maybe it's just another person who you know from our church family. Whoever it is, as you think of them, would you take a moment and just reach out to them? Maybe it's just a text message How are you doing? How can I pray for you today? Maybe it's a quick phone call. Maybe it's set up a FaceTime chat, whatever it is. I know a lot of our home groups are continuing now to connect through Zoom calls, and that's amazing. We've got this technology, but let's use it to continue to connect because we're doing these services to remind us to continue to connect to God, to continue to connect in our faith. But we want to make use of all these ways to continue to connect with each other. We need to remain faithful in those connections as well as God's people. So please make use of that this week. Let me give us our closing benediction, and then we'll be dismissed uh, again to finish out with this last closing hymn. Paul says this in his letter to the Thessalonian church. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Amen. Go in peace. will be connecting with you later through this week. God bless.